As entrepreneurs, we are out there. We want to make a difference, but nothing happens until a sales happens. As entrepreneurs, we are oftentimes our biggest salesman. We're the rainmaker. We're making things happen, but we can't scale it up unless we have a great sales team. Well, I have one of the top experts in the world with us today, and he's going to share with you how you can build an unbelievable sales team that you can not only identify the right people to be on your team, bring them on, make sure that they have big success early on, but that they stay with you. So not only do they help you 10X your business, but you help them 10X their personal goals. It is an amazing win-win. Stay tuned, you do not wanna miss this if you wanna grow your business dramatically. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard, watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com Randy, I am so excited to have you here today. Uh, you and I have hung out together in a bunch of mastermind groups, and I have heard nothing but good things about the work you do. And then I've seen you, you're brainstorming with the other entrepreneurs, and you just constantly add all kinds of value as a serial entrepreneur, but really in the sales area. So first of all, thank you for joining us. It's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here, John. Well, Randy, give me a little backstory because I, I want to dive in. I, you know, uh, there is no way that when we start talking about 10xing a business that you can do it without a sales team. And you are the guy that's making a huge difference in sales. And, and I want to, uh, every fellow entrepreneur wants that, but I, I want to see how, how did you get to where you are today? Give me a little bit of background. Yeah, well, it had it, been great to tell you that I was the best salesperson on the planet, and I just taught everybody how to do what I did, but it's not true. Um, being a sales, My dad was a sales guy. I wanted to be a sales guy, and I uh, had a lot of admiration for my dad. He was a fighter pilot, flew a P-47 Thunderbolt. And so I, I kind of followed him around. I want to be like him. And, um, and so um, as I got out of high school, I'm, I'm also one of those guys who didn't go to college. I mean, you know, that's kind of a challenge for me. And so I got into the world, started selling ran in some big obstacles and then that's when I became a student and um, I learned how to sell you know made a pretty good living for about 10 years and you remember back in the 80s when the real estate thing just crashed almost like the same thing we had in 0708 you know here and, I remember uh, it well I had personally guaranteed a six million dollar real estate loan but that's another story <laughs> that is yeah. a, that's probably but a I do I do remember too. that one yeah well I remember it all too well too and so um Anyway, I, I ended up going to work for a sales training firm, started doing uh, sales training for them, loved the stuff, couldn't stand the guy, and then I broke out on my own. Ultimately, uh, ended up in a niche that there was just always a well-defined incumbent. Somebody had to lose for you to win. And that that's kind of, you know, the, my history is moving all the way up to that. And then, and then 22 years ago is when I started this company called The Wedge. And that's what I've been doing for the last 22 years, teaching people how to sell, how to get the competition fired. Well, and I, and I think that's, you know, that's such a subtle lesson that you've learned and you share with your fellow entrepreneurs. And I want to make sure everybody heard that is, you know, if you're selling B2B, then unless 
somebody gets fired, you don't get the role typically. There's not a new service that's being created usually. So, I mean, that's the wedge. And uh, Randy, I mean, I, you know, that's it's one of the best things about being successful as an entrepreneur is understanding the framing of how you pull this all together. And when I, I think about it, help me out. You know, we've got entrepreneurs here who are selling professional services. We've got some selling widgets. We've got everything in between. You know, differentiate kind of from a service and a product, how that works. Yeah, awesome. So when I when I look at any business, you just mentioned it, I break it down to three components. You know, what I would have the seller do. And, you, and out of that comes price, product, or service. And what I find is we don't want people selling on price because we're giving away all the profit. And and even when we do, many times the incumbent comes back and can match it and keep it. Number two, you look at most of their products, uh, whether it's financial services, insurance, uh, accounting. I mean, you pick a lot of things. Um, the, the the product is kind of the same. It becomes kind of commoditized. And, and, and we find it's true almost in every industry. Been around for a little while, it's commoditized. So then the last component is service. And when I look at the service, I break it down into two components, the reactive and the proactive. Reactive means, John, if you have a problem, I'm going to call you back. I'll follow up with the email. I'll solve your problem. I'll be there for you. The problem is the standards there are so high, it's hard to trump the bad guys in the area of reactive service. And so then the last component, the most important thing this whole deal is, is, is really what I call proactive services. And so in a very, in a very simple deal, it's like if you're my prospect and we'll, we'll think that Bob's here in the room with us, it's those simple black and white things I do that Bob doesn't do. That's where you, my prospect, is being underserved by him, but you don't know it. And so I help people build that proactive services platform, and then we'll go farther there. But that's kind of the basis of it. So one of the things, Randy, you know, when we're selling and we're doing all this, one of the biggest challenges I think most salespeople find is that, you know, just as you talked about, I mean, price, easy to compete on, but, uh, you know, not the right thing to compete on, clearly. And in today's world with the internet, such a great facilitator product, almost impossible to compete on uh, because there's, you know, we've got products everywhere. Services, I like that whole idea of the proactive service. How do you differentiate though? Because one of the things when I survey, I mean, we're just doing a big survey on entrepreneurs and, and uh, my other business is coaching financial advisors. I mean. Everybody says they give great service, and you know, they, and they. I think what they imply on that is that they're giving proactive service. How do you differentiate the winning salespeople, the winning sales teams, from this? Geez, I I give great service to actually delivering a great experience. Well, so you're right. Every, everybody says they give great service. Most people believe they give proactive service. But, but here's the big challenge. When you ask them to tell you what it is, they can't. And that's the secret to there not being proactive service. And so um, in many times, you know, we and it's almost like in your, your core business, your coaching business. I mean, all the financial advisors, they believe they give good service and they will update the 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 the. Uh, the financial plan every once in a while, they might even rebalance the portfolio and then do some other things. The question is, do they have a written plan in place that says, here's when they're going to do those services? If they do, then they're a proactive services firm. Most people that say they give good service, there is no written service plan in place. The client doesn't know what's going to happen when, and because that, that's why th those clients are vulnerable to be able to take away with something called the wedge, when you can help them identify that. So. 
an example would be also also like insurance. Let's take let's go personal insurance just real quick. Um, you look at most entrepreneurs we have on the phone. If, you know, even if they're VIP people with you know the Marsh and Aons and the Willis of the world, um, and and some of them are, many of them are not probably. But uh, you know they're buying things, they're buying and selling cars, they're turning uh, they're turning garages into a man cave, they're turning closets into wine cellars. And so here's the big question. Um, if, if the average person called them up and said just like this, hey, John, I'd like to talk to you about your personal insurance. Chances are you'd say thanks. No, thanks. I'm already covered. That's what you'd say to me, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And so um, if, if I were sharp on my feet and I was doing the same thing and, and, and I would ask, hey, John, you know, in the last 12, 24 months, have, have you done anything nice for the home? You know, turned a you know cellar uh, a closet into a wine cellar, or turned a garage into a man cave, any of that stuff, and just say yes for the sake of example. Well, and I have too. I've got a wife that's very good to me and likes construction and remodeling. Sweet. Well, then, and then, so here would be an example of a, a proactive services wedge. So, John, can I ask you this? When your personal insurance broker meets with you about about sixty days before your renewal to do a complete exposure analysis for you and your family. And they get out this checklist of all the potential exposures, you know, someone like you would have. One column check yes if you got the coverage in place. Another column check no for well, you have no coverage. And they talked about those things that are not insured. Told you what you could buy, and that way you wouldn't have to worry about getting hit with a huge claim. You have to pay out of your own pocket. Are you couple how they go through that with you? Yeah, and and uh, you already know the answer is. I do. Minute. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. Did they even call me 60 days before? And the answer is no. You know, no. typically, I I actually do have a good one, but you know, the answer is no if for 99 point something percent of the people right. out there. And so, Randy, that's the wedge that you use to get people kind of to stop from. I mean, one of the things about marketing and sales we have to start a conversation and you know if you just call and say hey would you like some new insurance or would you like a new widget or new accounting or this or that i mean almost every busy successful individual is going to say no but right. by defining and i always like the term framing but you're you're creating that wedge right away that that's pretty powerful i mean that's that is like, okay, well, tell me more. What are you talking about? I'm going to go to. Yeah, and see, we've, we, here's what we've seen to be incredibly powerful uh, in two places. Number one, you hire a new salesperson. Think about this honestly. What do they have to sell? They don't have knowledge. They don't have experience. They don't really have a lot of relationships. So they, they don't have what most people go in and sell and calling, well, I've been doing this for 20 years. So how do you help them be really successful fast? Well, if you, as an entrepreneur, the owner, will commit to building what I call a proactive services platform, committing to be a proactive services firm, not just a products firm. So like if you owned a bank, John, I'd go, hey, hey, John, be a banker, but commit to being a proactive services firm that does banking. Or if you're an attorney, be, be a proactive services firm that does law or be a proactive services firm that does accounting or be a proactive services firm that does financial services. Because the productization, all that stuff, everybody has access to the same old crap, right? So if you can commit to that proactive services firm, now you're and, – and see, I, I got this really strong belief. For, for most entrepreneurs out there that are trying to build a business, the difference between where they are today and where they're going to be in about five years from now is in direct proportion to their ability to develop a sales team. If they do an incredible job with that, they'll get exponential growth. If they do a poor job with that, not so good. So then how do you find those guys? How do you, when you bring them in, how do you give them something concrete to sell? 
to differentiate themselves that's beyond the product that everybody has? How do you run sales meetings that continue to make them get stronger so that they're prepared? And then you give them the, the sales call conversation to do exactly what you're talking about. And it all becomes systemic rather than piecemeal, if you will. So I, before we go to the sales team, I want to just come back a little bit more, Randy, on the, you know, I'm taking a bunch of notes here on, you know, the very first thing, many of us, you know, are in businesses that are commoditized, you know, in the sense yep. that, uh, and I'm going to argue almost every business can be commoditized. That's what the internet is so good at, you know, it can be disruptive, it can become digital, the whole thing. Now, what you're doing, and I think this is so important for all of us to do, is not only are we making it a service, whatever we do, so it's ongoing. One of the things I love about services is ongoing revenue, long-term uh, relationship. As entrepreneurs, we love reoccurring revenue that we can you know, acquire a client, do a great job for them, but have them long-term. Second part, though, and I think this is the most important part, is we're defining the experience that we're going to deliver. You know, the, the proactive service, you call it, proactive service company. And this is a real opportunity because we can get feedback from the marketplace. Are we creating the wedge, as you talk about? And from that standpoint, that differentiates us. But when we have to deliver it, we got to deliver on our promise. And if we do that, boy, you know, so few firms <laughs> really deliver on their promises. I mean, it's an amazing right. thing. First, people don't want to promise anything. And if you force them to do it, they will. But then they don't follow through. Bingo. So when you, and that's where it goes back to, for this to be amazingly effective is when the, the entrepreneur commits to it, they get their salespeople selling this way, they get their sales managers running and coaching this way, and they get their support staff building it. And and look, let's be candid. You probably can't uh, deliver this kind of service to all clients, but then that's where the 80-20 rule, rule uh, fits in. It's like, you know, 80% of your revenue comes from about 20% of your clients. Let's make sure that group of clients, those 20%, the written service plans in place, that's how we're serving them. And then you'll retain them for a lifetime. They'll have the best experience they've ever had. And then guess what? They also become great, great, great introduction sources. You know, one of the things we as entrepreneurs get so frustrated that we don't get the referrals we think we've earned. Well, you have to earn them. You have to deliver this experience. And when you do, it's amazing. But let, let's go now to, you know, you talked about the um, creating a team. And let's say, you know, our entrepreneur, you know, we talk about getting the right people on the bus and so on. And having the right sales team is just so important. How, how do we go about making sure we have the right people today? And then if, we, if we're expanding, we're scaling up, how do we find additional ones? Well, that's, th those are two big questions. Um, let's talk about the additional ones, and we'll come back to make sure we got the right guys on the on the bus. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways to recruit, but a lot of what I'm encouraging my clients to do is to quit looking for the great salesperson, start looking for the really talented person, and get and, and go recruit them and get them fired up about getting in the conversation. I believe that you almost always have to have a good cop and bad cop. The good cop is the recruiter. Tell them how great this business is, just like financial services. What a wonderful business. You can make a lot of money, have a lot of freedom, serve people incredibly well. So you got a good cop to recruit them, and then you got a bad cop to find out if they're for real. And so uh, I had an experience in Fort Worth, Texas with a client of mine that over a decade we hired, and this is not big numbers in, you know, for, for big companies, but for the entrepreneurs you're talking about, these are probably pretty big numbers. We hired 34 new salespeople over a decade, 29 made it. Those 29 created an aggregate 
for insurance book of business, $17.5 million. Just what we hired during that decade would put them in the top 100 agencies in all of North America of all time. That's how powerful it was. And so um, out of that, I created a hiring process that kind of kind of models what the Navy SEALs, Green Berets, and uh, Army Rangers do. And mm -hmm. you think about this. And this, I think this is a salient point here. If you could do a, a psychological profile and determine if somebody had the capability to make it as, a, as Army Ranger, Green Beret or something, don't you think they would be doing psychological profiles rather than putting people through all that hell? Well, of course they would. It would be a lot less expensive. So I don't believe that people rely way too much on these profiles. I think you've got to model what, what the Army Rangers are doing or Navy SEALs, and you've got to put them through exercises and challenges to find out they're mentally tough. So if they've got resilience, can they deal with rejection? Are they smart? Are they coachable? Are they good at relationship? You get somebody that meets those five criteria, you got yourself a hell of a sales guy. And then the other piece, just do they fit your culture? And so that's, I, I coach a lot of people on, on, on that hiring process so that when you bring that type of person into a proactive services firm that believes somebody's got to lose for you to win, then they change their selling methods. And guess what? They sell a lot. Well, that's let's, a good thing. Let's, and so we've got this person. I'm going to take, you know, we've got the person and we've identified them. Uh, I, I was in the Navy. I was in pilot. I did one day of, uh, they recruited me for the SEAL, so I did one day of training. I did, <laughs> that's, that's a long time for me. Well, I did a week of Ranger training, one day of SEALs. That was enough on both. I, I decided that yeah. was not the experience I was looking for in the military. But um, it became, you, I don't think you could do it. I mean, I had the battery of psychological tests to get in, you know, as a Navy pilot. But I, I do agree with that. It's the experience and so on. So we've now got this person. They're ready to join our team. How do we, what I see so often, I know you know this well, you know, people find the right person, then they screw it up by the way they bring them on board. How can we make sure it's a successful onboarding experience, Randy? Well, all right. So, so if they meet all that criteria we just talked about, now they get hired. You know you've got somebody because why do most salespeople fail? Biggest reason they fail is they don't prospect enough, right? Mm -hmm. And prospecting takes a lot of mental toughness. So then when you, when you hire them, you bring them in, you do whatever technical training you need to do, make that pretty quick. Um, uh, and, then, and then we put our people through sales training. We put them through the wedge. And out of the wedge, we, we make them learn the sales call process and learn 12 proactive service wedges. That's part of the criteria. If you can't do that in two weeks, you get fired. And you let them know that up front. And, and so now... When you go on a, uh, they're prepared to go on sales calls. Instead of being this ambiguous pile of jello that they're out selling, it's like it's like you know go back to the it's like me putting a laser on your forehead, going that's my target. I know what I know what twelve wedges have the best chance of working to dislodge that incumbent. You train them through that, and then we run sales meetings that you know in most teams you've got some really bright, highly uh, effective people, and you got the new guys coming in. Well, well, how does the new guy get all that genius out of the old guys? And so we've created a sales meeting that I, I, I make fun of most sales meetings. I call most of them a spreadsheet liars club meeting, <laughs> right? I mean, you've seen it. Hey, John, uh, yeah. see right here, you're working on XYZ company. How's it going? Yeah. Oh, real good, Randy. It's going good. Okay, John. All about a done deal. All about a done deal. Ours is just the opposite. Um, you, we're putting, whether it's the, the new guy or the old guy, in a sense – on the seat, you're putting the incumbent in the room, and we'd sit there and do this. Hey, John, um, right now this company, they're working with Bob. John, do you believe this this account would be better off with you than Bob? Of course, you'd say yes. And I'd say, great. 
Well, John, it's what you do that Bob doesn't do is where this account's being underserved but doesn't know it. Do you agree with me on that? And you yes. go, yeah, well, great. So if they got Bob, tell me why do they need you? And then we got this process to, to educe, pull out of you those key things you believe you do better. So we call that define and then defend. So define what you believe you do better and then take one, rank them what's number one, and now break it down to what are the processes? How do you do that? So if you said I'm better at uh, – like, like in your, your, your core coaching client, we're, we're better at doing uh, uh, risk uh, – what do you call it? Risk uh, Risk assessment you know, on a yeah, portfolio? Yeah. 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 Just pick it. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter. We're better at picking the right funds. We're better at who who cares what they say. Next step is, okay, you really you believe you're better at that? Yes, I do. Well, when you do that, what do you do or how do you do it better? What's your first step? And now we break down the process. So when I can get out of you your best, most pristine, most effective process, map it out on the whiteboard or electronically, everybody's learning from you immediately. So now all genius gets out on the table. Everybody learns quickly. So hire them, train them. Put them in those type of sales meetings. And then, of course, the other piece is you've got to have some sort of accountability to know they're doing what you say you're going to do. Put well, that together, you got a pretty good onboarding. Well, and, and okay, so now they're onboarded, they're doing well, you know, they're starting to get some traction. You know, one of the things that, you know, many fellow entrepreneurs have done, uh, Randy, is that they've gone ahead and they've built good sales teams and then they seem to lose the more talented ones because we all want, you know, proven sales talent. And how can they make sure they retain the right people? Well, I think that you know a lot of things go into that, right? Uh, number one, um, I've seen there's I've, I've seen a lot of effective salespeople that still are not saving a lot of money. They're making enough money, they've got a great lifestyle, they're saving a little bit. So one of the ways that uh, I call it 10 extra savings capability. So I would want to create a culture around helping every producer I have double their personal income, and through that, they're actually taking their savings capability and going 10 times. Well, what I found, and you being working with financial advisors, know that if you can save sixty or $70,000 a year for 20 years in a row, then you're going to build a nest egg worth about two, two and a half, three million dollars. If you got that, you can retire for a long time, great. And see, as an entrepreneur, they've got all their value in the business. The typical salesperson has no real value except what they can save, and whatever you're willing to co-put co in the 401k with them. So now change it from kicking them in the butt all the time to do the kind of goal setting that makes them think about how much they need and then build a plan to help them get there. Make sense? I love goals that are enlightened self-interest. So this is you know, the enlightened self-interest for your sales professional. Because uh, you know, we, we know, I mean, I always think, Many salespeople meet the definition of affluent, free-flowing. They live a little bit beyond their means, and I think you might even be generous on the $6,500 they are saving. And you know, when you start including all the life and, you know, elements, uh, events that happen, as well as life intruding, you know, being a leader, being a fellow entrepreneur, being a leader, inspiring your sales team, not just you know, beat them over the head, but inspiring them to build their own you know, wealth outside of the business or personal wealth um, in their own enlightened self-interest. I mean, it's so powerful, Randy, when you can align your interests with someone else. And this is your frontline team that is making everything happen. Yeah. And, and so it does. It does several things. Number one, uh, it becomes kind of place where the entrepreneur, the business owner, I, I know they're on my side helping me think about this, doing this type of goal setting, tying it together. Uh, number two, 
uh, when when the entrepreneur is building a is committed to a product services platform, then I know that that yeah everybody says we're the best. I now have validation that we are. I, I, I know that we do things better than others. And so I don't want to leave this place. I have a lot of pride in how we do it better than others. Um, and then, you, you know, then there's, there's a lot of other things. And I don't want to get into leadership stuff in general. But when you're just focused on salespeople, you do those two things, you, you'll keep the great guys for a long time. And here's the other cool thing. Your great guys will be your best recruiters for you. Because they're out there telling other people, man, this place is great. Our boss, you, you wouldn't believe what he's like. Yeah, so. and, and that makes a huge difference in being able to build a team, a culture that's making that big difference. Let me go to the next segment because this is going to help pull everything together that we can't cover in the podcast. And this is the book that we uh, Randy, I'm not going to let you off easy. I'm going to ask you, let me pull up on the screen your book, The Wedge, How to Stop Selling and Start Winning. You know, we've covered a little bit of the wedge in concept, but what, what are your fellow entrepreneurs going to find in this book uh, that they should get? Yeah, I think, I think you know, uh, it's kind of funny. I'm looking up on my shelf here. I've got 200, 200 other books on selling right here. Uh, selling Invisible, Relevant Selling, uh, Solution Selling, Opening Closed Doors, Master Size Mailing, Objective Basic. They're all up here, right? Here's what they all have. They all say this, John. They say that there's two people in a sales interview, me seller, you buyer, and that if me seller can build a relationship with you buyer, me find out what you need, me get rewarded. And see, I believe they're all half wrong, that they, that they don't deal with the incumbent. So what they're going to get out of this, how to get your competition fired without saying anything bad, is, is a strategy to deal with the incumbent. And uh, John, you, you know, I'm sure your mom did the same thing mine did. My mom said when I was a kid growing up, if you can't say something nice. Yeah, I do remember this well. Don't say anything at all. Anything at all. Uh, yeah. And then if you, if you listen to Stephen F. Covey when he came out of his book, he said, always seek a win-win deal. So, so everybody's saying, don't talk bad about the competition. Let's play like they don't exist, all this sort of stuff. But the reality is they do, and most people don't have a strategy for it. So what they're going to get out of this book, How to Get Your Competition Fired, is a strategy to isolate the incumbent, define a difference, a value proposition that's black and white, not general, a type of question that causes the prospect to discover they're getting underserved by the incumbent without saying anything bad about those guys, and get them to see how great you are without you having to tell them. And so that's what's going to come out of this book, along with some other things. It's cool. It's, it's a pretty good book. No, I, I, yeah, no, and I, I have it, and I know it is, and it's you know, it's invaluable because it, just that framing of the wedge, because what's happening so often is that what we're seeing is as we become more and more successful, we're moving up to kind of higher premium services, you know, not products, right. but services. And as we do that, the competition is much more intense. And it's so important in, you know, this noise in the marketplace for you to help that buyer, that acquirer of your service to understand the differences because it's never been harder for them to make the time to have this and really have it come together. Yeah. One last thing about all of that is that, um, and we'll let everybody be the judge, but when you do it this way, you can find out, you know, once you get past that little report stage, you can find out in about the next 10 or 15 minutes with a pretty high level of certainty, whether or not you're going to be able to find pain, get it blamed upon the bad guy, and start to move them through the process. Another critical thing in this, and, and uh, I guess we'll leave that out there as just kind of a, a carrot for people to, to read and study, but um, 
I think you're doing your client a value. We got a thing in there called the rehearsal technique where you rehearse them through what it's going to be like to tell the other guy it's over. And if you've done that, when the other guy comes up and does it, you know, does the plays the the loyalty card and the guilt card and all that sort of stuff to try to make people feel bad and stay with me, John. Haven't been friends a long time. Remember in the tough economy, I was there for you. You prepare them for that. When they see it, that guy looks cheesy. Number one. Number two, you know that he's capable of firing the other guy, so it's worth spending your time and energy working on. So it saves a tremendous amount of time for salespeople. That's great, and and you know. I- as you're saying, having sold many things, Randy, I'm, everything I'm hearing over and over again from you, I just want to encourage our fellow entrepreneurs to go execute because this is so important. You, you're going to make a big difference with the buyers, the acquirers of your service, but these little nuances are just uh, going to make the difference. Now, let's go to the next segment, the application of the day. And uh, Randy, what do you have on your smartphone that you'd like to share with your fellow entrepreneurs? Well, I, you know, I got a lot of things on my, on my smartphone, but the thing I like the most is the Zillow app. You know, I want to know, I come see my friend, John Bowen. It's like, this is a big old house. I wonder what it's worth. Or the guy across the street, or, you know, you're cruising down and you're thinking about buying your second home. You're sitting there going, I wonder what that is. So I, I love Zillow. I just love to get on there and kind of play around and cruise around the country club and see stuff. That's what I'll Yeah, you know, it is interesting. We were talking before we turned on the camera that, you know, it's just, it's a great tool to go ahead and really use uh, to, you know, kind of feel the neighborhood and values and so on. And this is, you know, everything is being, the internet is a great provider of information. And this is why we have to raise our game because, you know, if you're a real estate sales, you know, just getting that information used to start the conversation no longer. It's happening to all of us. It's a great application. Let's go to the next segment. And this is resources. Uh, It's at thewedge.net. And tell us a little bit about what they're going to see. They're going to see your video and uh, you talking to them. But, you know, what else and resources do they have there? Well, um, you know, I mean, there's some articles and things in there like that. There's, you know, in the in the backside of it, there's a place if you want to go buy the books. There's a place to buy the, buy the books. You know, there's a little bit of stuff on some of our upcoming workshops. I mean, we do a wedge workshop here in Dallas, Texas every quarter. Um, that's the kind of stuff they're going to find on there. And then they're going to find some things about really instead of just sales training, because here's the most important, John, I, I believe, is really creating a sustainable sales culture. They're going to find some scoop in there about how to do that as well and hiring new producers, all of that. Well, and I'm going to say that's invaluable. And let me go to the last segment here. And this is a key takeaway. So let me just go to my notes. I mean, I've got a bunch of pages of notes here. And, you know, because this to me, marketing and sales are just so important for all of us as entrepreneurs as we AES stands for accelerating entrepreneurial success. And, and that doesn't happen without marketing and sales. You can have the best proactive service out there. And if you don't have a great marketing sales process and the right people execute, it doesn't happen. What I love about Randy, Randy was one of the first ones to say to me something that is extremely common sense, but we don't prepare for it. And it's his whole concept of that wedge. Somebody has to get fired for you to get hired. So what we need to do is be prepared for that. Randy shared, you know, you can go to AESNation.com. We can get the transcript, the show notes, all the links that we talked about. 
And you can really go into some of the nuances that he did, but better yet, just buy his book. <laughs> and then, you know, if it really resonates, reach out to Randy to hire him as a consultant coach. Uh, what I love is getting clear on the difference between products and services. Even if you're selling widgets, widgets you've got to make it more in a service. Reactive, you know, you've got to follow through on your promises. And the best way to follow through on your promises is identify them, create the framing, be proactive, and then establish the methodology to do it. You know, Randy talked a lot about having the right sales team, how to locate them, how to go ahead and make sure they're the right people to go ahead and onboard them and then re-retain them because it's such a valuable investment in our team. Always thinking five years ahead. And, and you can create you know, millions and millions of dollars of value, if not hundreds of million, and for some of you, maybe even billions of dollars. Take care of your sales professional. Help them create in their own enlightened self-interest that 10X for them as well. And you are going to have an unbelievable sales team and a great company. Randy, I want to thank you for joining us and sharing these remarkable insights and your methodology. And I want to wish all the entrepreneurs out there the best of success in executing. Because nothing happens unless you execute. So remember, go to AESNation.com. You can get the downloads, the links, everything you need there to make sure that your future clients, your current clients, all those promises you're keeping to them, the future clients that you're going to inspire to come to you, strategic partners, you'll make a huge difference. Let's go out and make that difference. Wish you all the best of success. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com.